Welcome to On the Bench. It's been a freaking weird week, I think. Josh, on a scale of 1 to 10, how weird has this week been? Seven and a half. Chris, on a scale of 1 to 10, how weird? Yeah, it's, just, it's been something. <laughs> it has been something. All right, guys, welcome to the podcast. Uh, we have a lot to go over today. We always have a lot to go over. I feel like I say that for every podcast, but this time it's true. Uh, and this is Brendan Sinone you're hearing. Knowles 24-7's on the bench. We were supposed to record this on Thursday. That's going to try to be our, our weekly schedule is do something on Sunday and then something on Thursday. But because there was so much that's kind of happened and it has been a really strange, odd week uh, following the Boise State loss and a lot of weird sound bites and comments and it just, just, just again, odd, I wanted to get the gang here to, uh, to go over what we've basically taken away from this week. So uh, we're going to start with talking about Hydrate Gate. Uh, Chris, you're a... Uh, you're the best at doing this. I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you want to do you want to summarize Hydrate Gate? Willie Taggart on Monday. Well, to correctly lay the path, Willie Taggart on Monday afternoon during his regular weekly press conference, he talked about conditioning and some of that with regards to substitutions and how the team kind of struggled with the heat on Saturday. Monday evening, he's asked a question by Gene Deckerhoff or kind of led into a situation by Gene Deckerhoff about this upcoming weekend being very hot. He says that they may have not been properly prepared last week to all degrees and that they need to do a better job of that going forward. You know, talk show, it's not a major hardcore session of Q&A. It's kind of a passive thing just for TV. And then that turns into a whole national story. Tallahassee Democrat tweeted it. Kurt Weiler, he was the one paying attention to it. I'll admit I wasn't watching the show. I don't really get much out of that show. Um, I would much rather spend time with my mother-in-law than watch that show most weeks. Um, That's saying that a lot. Becomes a whole story. That becomes a whole story. Then Tuesday, we're talking to Baby and Johnson. He's got asked about conditioning on a couple instances and states that they weren't properly conditioned for the game. Now, that the use of the word conditioning there can have a lot of definitions. I was part of that interview. I came away thinking he meant they weren't really in very good game shape and that they didn't handle it well on Saturday, not that they don't properly condition. But whatever, it adds to the narrative of Monday, and it just creates this whole 36-hour window where it doesn't end, and then we walk out Wednesday morning expecting defensive players and coaches. We get Marvin Wilson and Marty Gaynor. We don't get the defensive coordinator, Harlan Barnett. Willie Taggart does stop, which is not usually scheduled. He reads his statement from the show on Monday evening and then goes on to clarify that statement saying that's been misconstrued, that he wasn't talking about boys. He was saying they need to do a better job of it going forward. While slightly drinking water the entire way. Right? He was drinking water the entire time. Yeah. Um, He wasn't taking shots at the athletic training staff, which is something that came up on Monday evening when that comment first came about. Uh, You know, that essentially the comment's been blown out of proportion, which it certainly has, but we'll get to that. Yeah, let's let's actually – for context, put Willie Taggart's basically the introduction or a statement, or I don't know what we want to call it, but it's about two minutes long. I assume most of our listeners have have heard it at some capacity on our website or somewhere else. Uh, but I uh, I want I want to play the audio for them real quick. So here we go, and then uh, then Josh, I'd like to get your thoughts as soon as that's done. Um, just want to clarify some comments. Uh, that I made on on Monday night at my radio show and kind of went viral for some odd reason. Um, Some folks insinuated some words that I said took a totally different way. But uh, what happened on Monday was 
my radio show, I got a call from one of our great fans. They asked me, uh, what were our team doing? Well, a question from the great Gene Deckerhoff was, how is the team preparing for the extreme heat expected for Saturday's game? It's going to be another scorching this coming Saturday. That was the question. This coming game against Louisiana Monroe, this game, Willie Taggart, that'd be me. After going through last week and seeing our guys going down, cramping and things, one thing we all talked about as a staff, our medical staff, is our guys got to hydrate. That it can't be on Friday, that it can't be on Thursday. Hold up. Um, they need to start hydrating early in the week, taking care of their bodies. You can't leave it up to our players just to do it. We all got to force them to hydrate, take care of themselves. Again, I don't know if we did a good job at that last week. It was one of those situations where you live and learn, and we're going to make sure we help our guys when it comes to that. The great Gene Deckerhoff, hydrate, drank a lot of liquid, Powerade, some water. I said Powerade, not Gatorade. Willie Taggart, yes, absolutely. That was the conversation. Nowhere in there they talked about Boise, about that being an excuse for losing to Boise or anything, and talked about how we were preparing for Louisiana Monroe. And how nowhere in there they talked about uh, calling our, our great um, medical condition, medical staff out or anything. We have great medical staff people do a great job with our players. They talked about how we all working together and playing together for our players. Nothing in that said anything negative. I don't know where that came from, but that is exactly what Coach Taggart said and what I meant. Think anything other than that, I can't help you on that. All right. You want my opinion on this? Yes. I think every coach, when you look back at a tenure, um, when, when a coach gets fired, I think you look back and there's moments. And I think at Tennessee under Butch Jones, we saw the life coach moments at Florida, certainly under McElwain. I think the presser where he sat there and, and claimed death threats and the whole shark escapade and, and some of those moments you look back on and that, that was like, oh yeah, that was, I knew it was going south there. And I think this could be one of those moments. I mean, the fact that we're sitting here talking about hydrate gate and not the fact that Florida State's defense gave up 600 plus yards, I think is the biggest issue here. Um, they decided to, the Florida State admin decided to tackle hydrate gate rather than having the defensive coordinator talk about his response to what, what the answer is to giving up 600 yards against a Boise State offense and a freshman quarterback. I think this is a big distraction from the fact that FSU has lost three straight season openers. Uh, the fact that they went five and seven last year and look to be again headed down that path where they're just trying to keep their head above water and make a bowl game. I think that this whole thing is embarrassing, um, not only for the fan, not only for Willie Taggart, but the fan base in general, uh, for, for the fan base to kind of get locked onto this is embarrassing and, and it's not Hey, look, Tarif said it best. Nobody's focused. <laughs> uh, shout out Tarif Knockout. I, I will say this, Josh, and I don't know this to be a fact, but if, if you're 
theorizing that this was kind of something to focus on rather than the defensive effort. That that may not be like the worst idea in the world, right? <laughs> if you don't want to focus on your defensive coordinator giving up 600 something yards and but that's uh, not going to make it go away. None of this goes away. This Just is because you don't talk about it. The only, the only thing that goes away is it to get better. I don't think they were dehydrated. Do you guys? I think they got beat. I mean, God. Uh, I don't know. I don't think we have to. One thing that's kind of hurt me during all of this is people are just taking sides over. Oh, it wasn't that they were dehydrated or it wasn't they were dehydrated or, you know, the defense was bad. And, and that's why they gave up 600 something yards. Like it, none of it's good. I think that's what I, I kind of come to that that realization. And this is part of the this is part of what happens when you lose a lot is that people start focusing and hyper focusing on every single little minuscule detail. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but like, like they were, they were cramping in the first half and I don't know, they, they didn't, they didn't play good defense because they didn't play good defense because Boise state had a better game plan because Boise state wanted the trenches because Boise state converted on third down and long consistently. That's why the defense you know didn't do well. To me, the issue with the whole hydrate gate or water gate or whatever we want to call it is, is that one is that Willie Taggart uh, basically opened this up on his talk show. And I know he's mad at it being taken out of context or not mad. He said he was, quote unquote, disappointed. So I want to be fair to him. He said he was disappointed that it was taken out of context. First of all, I, it didn't have to be brought up at all. Uh, it was something that Gene talked about it being hot. Willie solicited saying you know, about the ULN game, what they're doing to prepare for it. But he he himself said he was frustrated that it was tied back to Boise State last week. But when he himself in his initial comments talked about last week, I'll I'll find the quotes. But uh, he essentially said that. So, you know, that's one of the issues that I that I have with it is that there's this this nitpicking back at the media who who did unfairly uh, take what he said out of proportion, like some people in publications, you know, basically basically insinuated that they lost to Boise State because of the hydration, and that's what he said. That, that's not what he said. Uh, he did, did say that that it could be better moving forward uh, and that they maybe didn't do a good job of it last week. I mean, that's something that he said. I don't know how else we're supposed to construe that or how else we're supposed to take that. So so that's my main issue with, with this specific narrative, but this is just kind of a uh, – overarching like view of, of what happens when you're losing. We're going to focus on what baby on Johnson said about conditioning. We're going to focus on how many defensive coordinator or how many defensive coaches are in the box or who's not in the box. Like, like the little details of minutia, this death by paper cut is kind of what happens when, when the, the losses mount. Yeah. And Willie knows that he said that himself today, he said that winning changes the narrative and, that people go away from kind of, you know, dealing with every little misstep, every little comment, taking everything a certain way, you know, when and those things don't happen here as much. He's totally right about that. Oh, yeah, he's definitely right. But I'm going to just be honest here. I think today was idiotic. I understand that Willie Taggart was unhappy with when he felt that he was misconstrued. I'm not saying that's idiotic. What I'm saying is idiotic is I think this story was ready to die before this morning, and here we are, it's not dead. We extended and, it by another day. I'd much rather would have wa- rather walk out there this morning and talk to Harlan Barnett about defense than anything else. Like I think to be perfectly honest, I'm exhausted talking about hydrate because I don't give a damn about it. It's meaningless to me. It's idiotic. I I think grown men playing football who have done it for a decade and those who have coached it for much of their life and those who have worked around it as athletic training staff for several years all know that people need to drink water when it's hot. 
it's just stupid as hell at this point that we're talking about this. I'm much more in the boat of, I just want to talk football. I want to talk about defense and what the hell they need to do to get the three, four in working order and make sure alignment's right and all of that. I'm just so tired of all of this exhausting, arbitrary, on the edge, just bullshit. I'm just over it. And I, I think it's poor that nobody handles it well. You can blame the media if you want to have at that. I'm not about to do that because I'm a part of the media, but that's fine. I can live with it. I think there's people that work around a football program, like a sports information department, who can do a heck of a better job of handling such situations as these when they come about. I don't think FSU does that very well, and I don't think they've done that very well in several years under several coaches. And then there's the whole the coach himself understanding the moment, the situation, and handling it well. And I don't know if that was the case this morning. It might have been, it might not been, but I just think it's kind of foolish that here we are, 36, 48 hours after the original comment, still talking about it, when in reality, it's a meaningless comment. We're moving on to the next game, and they need to be a better football team on the field who performs better and shows that they're making progress as they prepare for week three at Virginia, which is maybe the most crucial and important game of the Willie Taggart era. That's just where I'm at. I'm not throwing jabs at anybody. I'm not having an issue. I just think a whole lot of people can do a better job of doing this and that the focus needs to be football and not a damn water bottle. Well, and, and to your point, Chris, like I thought on Tuesday, I, you know, that's when we usually get the offense. So we got Kendall Browse and, and a handful of, of players on offense. I, I remember maybe it was to you, someone as we're waiting in the media scrum before practice thinking, okay, I, I, I wondered if Willie Taggart was going to come out and talk to us then and just address it, get it over with then. I guess it built momentum and became more of a national story, like where it was on ESPN's front page, and it well, took a little while to get there. Picked it up, I believe Yahoo picked it up, so right. yeah, it kept the same steam it, on Tuesday. So it, it was a comment made on Monday evening. Monday night, right? It didn't really get to spread its wings until later. Not it. It spread its wings within the scope of local, but then it became national, and that's when you kind of wonder, okay, could it be handled better? Like the foresight to know that was going to take off again. I thought he was going to talk about it on. On Tuesday morning, when that passed, I thought it was done. And then all of a sudden, we got that audible on on Wednesday. Uh, not to belabor it, I just want to give the quote. This is what was in the Democrat of what he said on, on the show. I mean, I guess he read it. You guys heard it. But but to me, this was the sticking point. And then we can get off of this because, like Chris said, it's probably not worth talking about. I just want to be that, like, some of, some of what he said was misconstrued by some publications. But he said, this isn't the full quote. This is the end of it. He said, we can't leave it up to our players to just do it. We've got to force them to hydrate and take care of themselves. I don't know if we did a good job of that last weekend. One of the situations where you live and learn, and we'll make sure that we help our guys when it comes to that. That clearly is about last week. So I don't understand being angry that it was something that was discussed about Boise State. I, I was actually kind of really in awe when when that whole thing was was happening. It was surreal. Josh, when you were watching, like you're at home and you got the text message from us that Harlan Barnett wasn't speaking. And then all of a sudden, what did you think when you saw Willie Taggart quotes coming out about that hydrate gate? I can't believe we're still talking about this. Um, like, like even right now on the podcast? Yeah, you? I kind of zoned out for a minute and thought I was on a loop. I thought maybe I'd... <laughs> all right, let's move on. ...getting the show. No, but to switch to Harwin Barnett, though, um, I texted you, I, I saw it, you know, you, there was no access to Harwin Barnett. And I said, was there a reason given? And Chris replied, ha! <laughs> that was all. So, yeah, I think, you know, the fact that we're even talking about hydrate gate, I think we should be talking about the fact that Florida State's defensive coordinator gave up 620 yards and didn't want to talk about it on Wednesday. Um, 
Well, I don't know if that's fair. Uh, to, to be clear, I don't know if he didn't want to talk about it. I think that was more Willie said that he wanted to talk to us. Now, initially, uh, for, for context for our listeners, the actual working environments today during all of this, which was this really serious press conference for, for where Willie Taggart's trolling everyone by, by drinking water. Seemingly, he's trolling everyone by drinking during it. Uh, there's weed whackers going on in the background because there's, you know, there's grass nearby the practice field. And then it's located next to Dick Hauser stadium. Uh, and so baseball players, it sounded like we're doing, doing work like with medicine balls. So there's like balls bouncing during all of this. So Willie was asked about Harlan Barnett initially, like the audio that we had made it sound like he said, Harlan didn't want to talk to us, clarified it. Uh, he said Harlan wanted to, but, but Willie wanted to talk. It wasn't that Harlan didn't want to talk to us. Willie wanted to talk to us today. Just just to be, I'm trying to be as fair as possible. For well, I think, I think um, Willie Taggart at the four minute mark of the first quarter should call a timeout for a bathroom break. And after the game explained that the, that the guys had so much water to drink that he had to call an early timeout because they all had to pee. <laughs> right. You're not helping Josh. He's not, he's not. He also suggested orange slices at halftime too the other day. In a group That's text. a no brainer. It's a no brainer. Um, <laughs> Who's the team nah, but what, did you, what was your take? Do you think Harwin's going to speak to the media this week? Do you think he wants to? Harlan's a professional. Harlan, uh, sorry, were you asking me or Sonoma? I'm going to go ahead and just go ahead. Go. go. Um, I think that Harlan's fine talking to us. I think that there's a chance we get him tomorrow, but we were told today it's not definitive. And Harlan is a former media member. Like he's worked before in broadcasting back, back way, 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 way back. So he gets it. I, I don't think he'd have an issue with it. Uh, I think he should talk about things, right? Like, I think that's fair for him and fair for his job. And uh, if we oh, are, I think he probably wanted to, I, mean, right. I think he probably would rather get out in front of it than not say anything and then have everybody speculate and go crazy, especially when, this is the same day that they spoke every every week last year, right? Correct. Yeah. Yes. Right. So this is a schedule. Like we got the OC on Tuesday, we got the DC on Wednesday. <laughs> FSU loses one game, and all of a sudden, you know, they're pulling the DC. And I understand uh, it's probably not for the reasons um, that I think it is, but the optics of it just—it's another way of maybe mishandling things. I think a simple email saying, hey, guys, Harwin Barnett's not going to speak because we're going to put Willie Taggart in his place briefly. So that's how we're going to do it today. Probably would have for sure caused a, right. things to go a little bit smoother. Well, we'll look at it in the but order of like, like that doesn't exist when it, you're covering it with you. Uh, it, that's not done. Like that doesn't you, happen. If, if you're behind the curtain a little bit, that that never happened. Chris is angry right now. And it, today was very frustrating. No, for I'm us. not angry. It's just true. There is nothing communicated adequately by FSU about anything when it comes to players and coaches dealing with the media and how things are going to be set up. We walk out there every day having no clue what players we may get. And it's never told to us. We know when they stop and they lean against the fence. That's I thought you request the players. And that's just how it is, and that's how it's been. So, and it's going to continue to be that way. I'm not complaining. We, I'm just letting people know that's how the hell it works. We Stop were, interrupting we, me, so no, and people are going to complain about that on Twitter. Whatever they complain about everything. We uh, we request them, Josh. Uh, we will send out. So this is how it works: is on Sundays we'll send a list to FSU Sports Info staff saying this is you know these are the list of players we'd like to talk to for the week. Uh, this is during game week, and uh, and then. That's about it. We don't hear these are the guys you're getting. These are the guys you're not getting. 
Uh, we really don't know who from our list. And mind you, like my list may not be the same as the Tallahassee Democrats or the Osceola's or War Chants or, or whoever's there asking for guys that week. Like we all have – a lot of times there's overlap. But, you know, we don't know to Chris's point. Like we don't know who we're getting until they're, they're walking out there and we see them with a sports info member and they come in and stand next to the fence outside the practice field. You. That's when we know. Uh, and, and in regards to like organization and Chris is right, I'm, I'm, I'm busting his balls a little bit here, but like, it, it is frustrating in the sense that, uh, we, we don't know what's going on. And, and then what that does, I feel like kind of creates, this isn't media complaining, but like, this is look at it from the perspective of the optics that you said, Josh. So this morning, Harlan Burnett walks right by us. Right. And that's unusual. Uh, Everyone's on heightened guard right now uh, and and on alert. So I went and asked one of the assistant SIDs, like, hey, was that planned for him to, you know, Harlan not talk to us? And I was told yes. I said, should I talk to the, the head sports info person? And they was told yes like, to get a clarification. The head sports info person isn't anywhere nearby at that moment. So, you know, a bunch of people tweet out that Harlan Barnett didn't speak with the media. And all of a sudden, everyone's wondering what that means and reading into it. And, and then all of a sudden, Willie Taggart comes in and does his thing like 10 minutes later. But didn't you see like what that in that 10 minute window, like the the frenzy that it creates? People are wondering why and and taking shots for disorganization or or whatever. And that's not us. We just stated simply like this is what happened. But but from a, a public relations standpoint, like the optics there look bad and that can just be handled by by communicating. So they just got to go win some games. And all this is is over. We're done. You know, right. We're not talking about this. I agree. And, and so one last thing with the stuff that we're talking about, I want to get your thoughts, Chris, I'll mm-hmm. ask you uh, first, but I want Josh to, but, but Chris, we've also talked about a lot about the, the full-time defensive coach in the press box. That was something that we noted before the game. If they go ahead and shut out Boise state, like we don't talk about this, but because they go and give up 600 something yards and, and 36 points to a freshman quarterback, we're talking about it. FSU didn't have a full-time defensive coach, a full-time staffer on, on its defensive uh, side of the ball in the press box to give that bird's eye view and, and talk down to the field. Uh, that's not to say there weren't qualified coaches and strong members of the, of the support staff up there looking. But again, we're talking about optics and whatnot. Am I making too big of a deal? Or I guess I'm not making a huge deal, but it's something like worth asking Willie about. And he has been asked and, and coy. Uh, is that a weird deal? Is that something that's being blown up proportion, not having uh, a full-time member upstairs? Well, when they say that alignment was a major issue, I think it would benefit them to have good eyes in the sky who fully understand what that alignment should be. In their case, that's probably either her or Barnett, defensive coordinator. And if you don't want to put your DC up there because you'd much prefer him to be on the field to be hands-on coaching, then it's probably Mark Snyder's your next man up, Mark's. You know, worked with the edge rushers a lot, has a lot of familiarity with a lot of the adjustments they've done to their defense, especially in the front seven. He's a former head coach, a former defensive coordinator, a guy who's very well-versed in how to do the job. I think he'd be your best eyes in the sky. So I think it would be beneficial for him to have somebody up there, um, especially when in week one, that beyond bad tackling and the other issues they had that are physical things, alignment, and the fact they weren't lined up very well, according to Willie Taggart was a massive issue. I think that's something where a guy might be able to rectify that or at least recognize it from the box and communicate it and maybe fix it in real time instead of it being something you learn after reviewing the film. I think this is a, another strategy that kind of backfired on them. Um, we saw the substitution, the, the enormous amount of substitutions that they made didn't quite work out. Um, and whatever they did, you know, the, the guy in the box, I, I don't really know 
talking to some coaches because like this isn't this isn't a strategy that I'm real familiar with. But I did call a couple coaches that I know. Nobody really went over the top saying this was gonna this is awful. This is but uh, uh, most of them told me that this is kind of a, a weird deal not having any uh, on field coaches or even a GA in there. So hey, I think. There was a couple strategies that FSU tried that they're not going to go back to. Um, had the defense worked out great? Yeah, I'm all for it. But when you, like Chris said, have alignment issues and guys getting set, I think that may, might be something that you could have spotted up in the box and called down and maybe fixed for the next series. Um, just not having a view of the field, I don't know. It didn't work last game. Throw somebody or two people up in the, in the box next game and let's see how it goes. I think with this staff, they're open to trying new things and they realize when they don't work and they realize when they do. And one thing that they've shown is the ability to adjust and try new things. So let's see them try this. I, I think one aspect of the, of, of this, you know, inequity of defensive coaches, you know, in the press box versus the field that, that does come off is, is interesting that maybe we're not talking about enough is, you know, so what the 10th defensive coach was added to the staff two years ago. This is now the second season with, with, with that Mm -hmm. uh, in play. Uh, I'm speaking, not knowing totally like what every single coaching staff in America, how it's devised, but you have five full-time offensive coaches, right? Four full-time defensive coaches. And then one recruiting coordinator, if I'm not mistaken, uh, and that recruiting coordinator is on the field. That's David Kelly. He's a former wide receivers coach, and his entire coaching career has been working with offense, wide receiver or running backs, I believe. And I think tight ends one year too. But regardless, he's on the field helping out as kind of a kind of a, an assistant general role there. Uh, but he he could someone that can help him out somewhat with with offensive side of the stuff, right? So so as you look, it's like okay, the the strengths of having DK and the the recruiting coordinator role, we've talked about this on the podcast before, and it's something that that a lot of coaching staffs have have discussed. Uh, you do see that FSU staff has five offensive guys, four of which are on the field. Telly Lockett was the one who was up in the press box on Saturday. And then on defense, uh, comparatively, it looks a little shorthanded. That's I it. agree. Yeah. That, I agree. Some, I, 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 I mean, Florida State's already shorthanded. Look, you're allowed to have 10 on-field coaches, and they essentially have nine. So they're already playing a little bit shorthanded. The the last thing I want to get into before we take our break, and when we come back from the break, uh, we're going to have, a, I, f- I think, a few fun topics to go over, including like a nice little scoop intel uh, segment from Josh. But uh, but oh, just everything. Me? Well, I mean, maybe we'll join in too. But you, I know what you have is is really good and, and pertinent to to what we've discussed today and, and our podcast earlier in the week, but. Everything that we've mentioned so far here in the in the opening segment, hydrate gate, which we won't talk about anymore after this, I promise. Uh, the the vagueness of dis- discussing the defensive coaches in the box from Willie today, like you said, they had a plan. Uh, we talked about what that plan was last week too, and it may not have worked out the way FSU wanted to for playing the results. Uh, Chris hinted at the alignment and assignment issues that Willie Taggart spoke about on defense, and those being problematic. Uh, Baby on Johnson's comments on conditioning. All of this to me points to planning, doesn't it? Like this is this is the consistent theme that if you are going to go beyond just nitpicking the individuals and looking at a at a full theme here, it's just so guys aren't aligned correctly and you're not adjusting the game. Like is that, is that something that was planned for? That seems like to me not being a football you know, genius and someone who who covers it, 
but not being a full-time like coach who, who's been around it his entire life like that, that seems weird. Uh, if there's an indication that conditioning wasn't, wasn't as great as it should be, that goes to planning and preparation. Uh, if there wasn't a prep, you know, a, a plan for the defensive coaches in the box that, that, okay, maybe that would have been helpful in hindsight. Like again, planning and preparation. Am, am I off on that? Like, I think that to me is the one theme that, that concerns me with all of this that we've seen from this week was that this wasn't a team that was really well planned and, and well organized heading into the, what was a Super Bowl for, for, for Willie Taggart, essentially. This was a big freaking game. They didn't come off as well organized. But we're talking about all this because they lost. Most right. of this wouldn't be topics of conversation if they had won that game. The Absolutely. The defense would have struggled but it wouldn't be like it is. Ultimately, all this year, everything about this year is going to be judged by two simple numbers, W's and L's. To, to, I agree. This is all, every, Like I said earlier, man, this is all magnified by losing right now. Everything is being nitpicked and, and whatnot. At the same time, like people were really frustrated and pissed off at the defense in the first half, and that's when FSU was up 31 of 13. We had fire Harlan Barnett threads going on the message board. Those are a little extreme, granted, but, and but some unfair. Of, yes, uh, of course they're unfair to try to fire someone one game into the second season. I, I, of, of course, that's not a realistic response. Uh, but, but my point being is people are frustrate, were frustrated even when the, you know, one side of the ball was looking great that there was a lack, seemingly a lack of, of organization and preparation, which, which we now have been told in hindsight like was kind of the case. Like They didn't know where to line up. That's an issue. That's not something that you expect a lot of teams to have that issue. I, maybe I'm blown out of proportion. I don't know. I, I viewed it as as not a great sign when when all these things are, are being viewed collectively. Individually, we can say we're just being nitpicky. Collectively, I, I think they all pretend to to not having a, a clear, concise plan. I don't know. I'm by myself there. All right. Well, yeah. 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 All right. I mean, All right. I think it's clear there's no plan. I mean, there was never a plan that we were going to get a quarterback in here that everybody likes. There wasn't a plan for when David Kelly was going to move off the field with with or without a waiver. Uh, there wasn't a plan. You know, there there seems there wasn't a plan for bringing in Randy Clements when you had Greg Fry on staff. It seems like a lot of things are done without a lot of without a lot of thought about the consequences or you know the fallout or what's going to happen. So I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's it's a big. Uh, you know, this isn't something that we haven't seen before, I guess. This isn't that big of a deal to me. It's just kind of how things are going right now. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to have more fun on the way back. All right. We're going to play a game. We're going to have some intel, some scoop. Uh, stick with us after the commercial break. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, we're back and uh, and sticking with the defense. This was a game that Josh suggested that we play this week. I think it's going to be fun. Uh, based on that performance against Boise State, there's obviously room for improvement, but one neat aspect that I thought emerged from the game was how many defensive players played. Now we can criticize the amount of substitutions or the way the substitutions were handled drive to drive. Uh, it's something that Willie Taggart said will be addressed moving forward, but, but that allowed us to see a bunch of guys play. So the question I have uh, to both of you and, and Josh, I'll start with you is uh, who's one player on defense that, that you saw some of on Saturday that you want to, to see more of going forward. Um, I want to see more of Carlos Becker and less of Levante Taylor. And it looks like we are going to see less of Levante Taylor as he was left off um, being a starter for this game against ULM. But it doesn't exactly look like uh, Carlos Becker will be the one replacing him. However, I feel like Carlos Becker made the most of every opportunity he was given in that game and, and was one of the guys on the defense that was out there uh, anticipating and making plays. So I'm, you know, I, I, I'm not excited that Levante Taylor is getting benched. I think him playing to his potential is the best case scenario for FSU. So that, that's not necessarily a good thing. But in a, in a game where we want to see some plays get made, I want to see Carlos Becker get more opportunities. Chris? Oh, you want me to answer immediately? I thought you were going to prompt me. I, uh, for me, it's linebacker. I want to see more Jaleel McCray. I don't care who has to sit for him to play more, but I want to see a linebacker. I want to see more rotation at linebacker and see who's willing to, you know, read, react, get down, finish plays, tackle effectively, and just be physical beings. The, the linebacker group didn't play very well on Saturday, as did much of the defense not play very well on Saturday. But I want to see more linebackers. You probably have depth. Let's see some of those guys. It starts with McCray for me. But I wouldn't be against seeing a little Kevon Glenn, Kaylin Deloach mixed in there. I know Buckham and Dress the other day. Yeah, I'd like to see a little bit more of that. I'm with Josh on Becker, but I didn't want to have the same answer. What's your guys' opinion on would be at linebacker? I I'll start. I, I'm not, I, I guess go ahead, tonight. No, jeez, oh, just getting railroaded today. Uh, I thought he was uh, marginal uh, to below average. Uh, he he didn't look comfortable playing inside. We saw him at Star last year where he was a little bit more in space more frequently. He was one of the main issues with the run defense, I thought. And that was disappointing because we had heard really good things about him through camp. I, I thought I thought he looked like someone who wasn't comfortable playing inside linebacker, to be honest. And and again, disappointing because well, I, I think Highland of Jaden. And I think what I'm getting at I'm is take, um, I was I was gonna take an optimistic view with it. I think he had a bad game. I don't think he's that bad at that that's that's fair. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I'm just saying that it didn't look the the sample size that we have obviously wasn't wasn't okay. great. I'm sure he'll get then better. I got a follow up for Chris. Then if you, if you want to see McCray on the field more, who's he taking snaps from? Djax. Well, I think that Lars Woodby is a guy who can take some snaps off. I think Djax is a guy who can take some snaps off. I think you can rotate that position. I don't need a ton of substitutions at linebacker. But I think it's worthwhile if a guy has a bad series where he's just not effective at doing his job, then maybe the next series give somebody else a different try and see if it works a little better. I don't need to see DeKalen Brooks out there near as much as we did in this first game. And I think a guy like Lars Woodby might do well if he has a bad series to take a minute, take a breather, 
get back out there for the following series, having one sandwich in between where somebody gives them the blow. Mm-hmm. Emmett, Rice, Emmett Rice wasn't great at linebacker either. That was disappointing um, because thought he would be a little bit more of a, of a contributor. He wasn't as physical as I thought he was going to be. But, all right. Do we want to move on? No one cares about my yeah. opinion on that. Monday. All right. Monday was a bad day for Willie Taggart. We all agree, right? That wasn't the best optics standpoint. I mean, that was the day with press conference and whatnot. Do we agree? Yes or no? Not a great day. Chris. Yeah, I mean, Hydrate Gate started out of the gate Monday evening. So, yeah, that day wasn't capped off all that great, but it is what it is. We're nitpicking oh. again. <laughs> I, I don't think we're necessarily nitpicking, uh, but agree to disagree. It wasn't it wasn't the tone that I think a lot of people wanted to to hear on Monday, both in the press conference and uh, and then the coaches show what happened. But regardless, if we look at we're all allowed to have bad days, right? So we're all allowed to to have a bad day at work. God knows we all have. Uh, so I'm not trying to be like I know this is going to come off as critical. I'm not trying to be overly critical here. Uh, but when we look at like the way Willie Taggart's handled different situations and, and different days through the course of his career, Josh mentioned something earlier about like some of these these moments that coaches have that if things don't go right, uh, what what we end up sticking and remembering. Uh, for for you, Josh, like what is the day that you remember for Willie Taggart right now? Like in the context of things not going right, right? That's like, man, I wish he had that day back. Is it Monday? Are there other days like previous to his tenure that you you would think he would he maybe want to rewind if he could? I think we have a we have a plan at quarterback, and you know we're going to get a guy in here that everybody's happy with, um, knowing that that was just very hollow and um, not genuine. I mean, they didn't have a plan, they didn't have a backup, they didn't get a guy in there that everybody wanted. Um, I, yeah, I think the, these days are kind of adding up. I, I you know, Hydrate Gate is going to go viral in. Hydrate Gate would have gone viral no matter what because the people on Twitter, the rival fans, they weren't going to let that die. <laughs> Willie Taggart made the comments on his own platform. This was not something he got railroaded into. I mean, his own talk show, the Willie Taggart show, he made the comments on. So I think those will live on for for a little bit longer. But um, yeah, it, it, it's just not not one of his better days, and and these kind of days are adding up. Chris, do you want to play this game? I'm, I'm guessing no. No, no, I'm, I'm over it. <laughs> I'm representing that portion of the fan base. I know. Right. I feel like this isn't reflective to how you felt a few days ago, but but That's you're good. Growing. Those people need to be represented as well. Uh, Somebody needs to. All right. Nia, I will ask you this. Your biggest takeaway from offense availability earlier this week, we got James Blackman, got Cam Akers, got Kendall Browse to get his thoughts on and. Uh, on the offense, we obviously had Davion Johnson, but but generally, what did you take away from from I guess what was Tuesday? I think they feel like the offense can be really successful. That what they were good at early on is something they can do more of, and that they can be a more consistent bunch where they can put it together for four quarters and produce at a high rate. So I don't think the offense has much panic button action going on. And truthfully, in talking to defense today, I didn't get the feeling they had panic button. But we talked to Marvin Wilson, who's a, you know. A, solid veteran who understands how to handle that. And we talked to Amari Gaynor, who himself had a very, very good game against Boise. And, you know, he basically gave the, you know, basic answer of we're going to work to be better and we're going to be better. You know, he, he didn't get knee deep into the situation. All right. Now let's go to our Intel segment. 
Josh, I will start with you. I may even end with you. What are you? I mean, hearing? I just assume we are all making phone calls and we all had some intel. Um, I, I do have, make... I do have some, but I thought yours was nicer than mine. Yours is a little beefier. I, you know, I called some people and, and got some intel. Um, I waited till Monday. I wanted to let things kind of calm down. I didn't want to get um, an emotional response from some people. So I don't know. One of the biggest things, and I don't think this is anything unexpected, but after the game in the locker room, there was players voicing their opinions that they should get the ball more um, I th- and, and just play more in general, be more part of the game plan. The one name that was given to me was Warren Thompson. I don't think that's going to surprise anybody. Uh, Warren Tom- Thompson had one catch that went for 50, 52 yards, something like that, and never really got the ball again um, or n- never got the ball again. He was not happy after the game, um, some frustration, but it's all in the name of, you know, it wasn't a look at me thing. It was just the fact that he saw his team not score a single point in the second half and wanted to help fix that and be a part of the solution. So he wasn't the only one. And I also think and was told that, you know, the fact that they lost the opener to Boise State and there's so much uh, emphasis put on this game, these guys really were hurt afterward. I mean, they were really let down that they lost this game because they had put so much into it. Um, I mean, you, you, you know, the players, Warren Thompson specifically, <laughs> a couple weeks before the season said, Boise State ain't ready. You know, they're not ready for this. And, you know, he, he, didn't, he wasn't able to have a hand in, in winning. Um, some of the things that I heard that were positive was the, st- the staff, the players, everybody still believes in James Blackman. Um, there was no concern over whether or not he's the guy moving forward. And, th- and I mean more from like a team teammate standpoint. That's good to hear. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, I think the, you know, the players, we heard the coaches talk a lot about alignment, but I'm told that the players after watching the film really do believe that, that a lot of their issues came from misalignment. Um, whether or not I agree with that, it doesn't matter. I'm being told that these guys in the locker room feel like that if they can fix some of these alignment issues, the scheme will work. To me, that's a good news because it means that these guys are still buying in. Once they stop buying in and, and guys start playing for the NFL or, or the next level, that's when we run into the real issues. So a couple of those things, you know, nothing, nothing over the top. Um, I'm glad that I didn't hear of anybody walking away from the team. I didn't hear of any, any major issues after the game. I think that this team as a whole is still pretty solid. And has a chance, you know, they have the weapons. If they can get it together, I'm still optimistic about my eight and four prediction. Although I think it definitely takes a hit because I I was counting Boise State as a win. Do you guys have anything of interest to share? Mine wasn't super. uh, The offense feels good about what they're going to do going forward. And Chris Chris talked about it. That was clear from what they all said. So I, I can't say it was intel, but that is something like on on Monday that became clear to me is like that that the offense generally speaking, thinks that it's going in a really good direction. Again, I think that's evident that they scored 31 points and a half. Mm-hmm. But but the mistakes that we saw in the second half are all very correctable. Uh, some of that's James making some reads a little bit quicker. Uh, some of that is is play calling, putting him in a little bit of a better spot and giving him some different options. But uh, basically, there's there's optimism that, that a lot of the issues that we saw in the second half I don't think it'll look as explosive maybe consistently as it did in the first half, but, but there's going to be more of a steadiness to, to what they can do once they, they open up the playbook a little bit more and, 
and get a better and James gets a better idea of, of what Kendall Browse wants from him and vice versa. Once Kendall Browse gets a better idea of, of what James strengths and weakness are in game. Chris. I got nothing. I'm done. I'm burned. <laughs> With Knowles 24 seven. We're three to four. We're three to four days into the season. And I'm just, I'm just done, man. It's already put a nail on me. I'm done. Put a nail on the coffee, you know, whatever. Tonight. <laughs> Chris, I hate you today so much. So much. No, just during this podcast. <laughs> just during this podcast. You've hung me out to dry so many freaking times. With Noel 24-7's On the Bench Podcast, this is Brendan Sinone sticking the landing because I know Chris hates it. <laughs>